0: Greetings, everyone. Thanks for joining me today. This is Pastor Mike, and I'm here in my office with my Bible open to Hebrews chapter 10, where it says, starting in verse 24, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We have here a command that we not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Now what is the nature and purpose of assembling together? This is an important and very relevant question. In the last episode, we saw how in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus describes his church as the ecclesia, that is, an assembly of believers as small as two or three, but certainly not limited by any number of believers who gather in His name. During the recent COVID lockdowns, church leaders have had to really think through the meaning and importance of this biblical mandate of assembling together. This was really quite a new thought exercise for a lot of us here in the U.S. because we'd never before been told that it's illegal to gather in our buildings for a church service. While it wasn't such a new question in other countries where gathering for worship, teaching and fellowship is not only illegal but invites intense persecution and even death, they've already come to understand, by necessity, the nature of biblical assembly. It's far more important than just holding public services in a church building. If that's all the writer of Hebrews was talking about, then many believers in China, the Middle East, North Korea, and many other places would be jailed or killed for obeying this mandate. But assembly, biblical assembly, is not about place, but about people and purpose. Last year, I met an amazing pastor who came to India for one of our prayer summits from Bhutan. In Bhutan, it's illegal to gather for church services. This pastor had been arrested and interrogated on multiple occasions for holding Christian meetings in his home. The last time he was released, he was told that if he was ever caught with more than ten people in a house for any reason, he would be arrested again. So in response, he just created multiple house churches of nine people or less, and he traveled from house to house. And he preaches and ministers. But even in free countries, assembling in homes has become a much higher priority, whether they be actual house churches, or home groups, or cell churches, where much of the actual body life and ministry of the church takes place in homes. In many ways, the church is rediscovering what made the early church so dynamic. It wasn't actually until the 4th century, when Constantine made Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire, that church buildings became the primary meeting place of God's people. Until then, the church met primarily from house to house. You see this as the practice of believers throughout the book of Acts. Jesus said, wherever two or three gather or assemble together, that he is there in the midst of them. Every believer is a minister, and yet, God has called us to minister together in community. There is a promised blessing, an embedded blessing, that we possess in Christ when we gather with other believers in his name and for his purposes. Gathering in itself is not the purpose. The church is not a social club. Assembling is a means to an end. It is the means by which God has chosen to accomplish his purposes and expand his kingdom on earth. In the assembly of two or three, we're given spiritual authority to bind the strong man and to change the spiritual atmosphere in a physical location. Through corporate prayer and intercession, we see the release of God's presence to draw the lost and to set captives free. By connecting with one another, we are able to experience God's grace in our fellowship as we love one another, and as one believer uses his or her gift to build up and strengthen another. All of these activities are in alignment with God's already revealed purposes for His church and for the world. God has already promised a blessing where brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. We see that in Psalm 133, where it says, "...how good and how pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity." It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord commands His blessing, even life forevermore. I love this psalm. The oil described in this psalm is the anointing oil poured over the high priest that set him apart for God's use. The dew of Mount Hermon falling on Mount Zion pictures the Holy Spirit who empowers us, who empowers the Church to accomplish His purposes. Now isn't that exactly what we want? To be set apart for God's purposes and to experience the Holy Spirit's power in our lives. This is the blessing that God has embedded in the assembly. And again, I'm not talking about unity for unity's sake but unity centered around seeing God's will accomplished on earth. There are so many examples in the Bible. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out 72 disciples, two by two. Each group of two was given specific instructions, pray peace upon households, eat with those who receive you, heal the sick, and tell them that the kingdom of God has come near. There's not a single account of any of these teams coming back and saying, Jesus, this didn't work. No, they came back rejoicing, it says, and saying how even the demons were subject to them in Jesus' name. In John 13, Jesus says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Then just a couple chapters later, in John chapter 17, Jesus is praying And he prays, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world will believe that you have sent me. In these passages, we see not just the purpose of the assembly, but the nature of our assembly. Our love for one another is meant to reflect God's nature. It's meant to manifest the nature and presence of the One who loved us and brought us into relationship with Himself. Christ's nature being manifest in the Church through love is a testimony to the world. By this all men will know, it says, so that the world will believe. Over and over again, we see God's promises that are connected to the purposeful gathering of believers with one another These promises have application, whether there be two believers that gather at a workplace, nine believers that gather in a home, 700 believers who gather in a sanctuary, or 20,000 who gather in a stadium. About 25 years ago, in the city of Cali, Colombia, there was a unique event where all the churches of the city gathered for an all-night prayer and worship celebration in one of the soccer stadiums. God had been moving powerfully throughout the city with unprecedented numbers of people coming to Christ and churches bursting at the seams. Organized by the Pastors Fellowship, the Church, capital C of the city, decided to gather together to celebrate what God was doing. In addition to worship and prayer, the mayor, who had given his life to Christ, came to lead everyone in a time of dedicating the city to the Lord. The following morning, after the prayer celebration, the headline in the newspaper read, No Murders. This was the first time in anybody's memory that a 24-hour period had passed in that city without somebody being murdered. The worship of those gathered believers had changed the spiritual atmosphere in that city. This is how the church was designed to operate. It is meant to transform that which it touches, Understanding this lends so much more weight to what it says there in Hebrews 10 and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. The day, that is the day of Christ's return, is indeed approaching. Let us then consider how we can exhort one another in order to stir up love and good works. You see, there's nothing on earth with greater potential to transform this world than the Holy Spirit working in and through his church. Today, may God give us eyes to see how the Spirit is moving and ears to hear God's word that's speaking to us and boldness to obey what we've heard. Amen.